Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. G'day all you legends, welcome to the Pot Noodle, I'm your host Jared and joining me are Shane and Liam, how you doing Shane? Yeah, not too bad thanks mate, um, I had my uh, works end of year party uh, last night so um, on my right hand side I've got a big mug of tea tonight, um, so if you're expecting me to get a little bit loose, uh, not this episode, I reckon. It's going to be pretty uh, straight down the line. So apologies in advance if anyone was looking forward to me teeing off again. And on the other side is an inflatable kangaroo. <laughs> there isn't actually, but um, we'll, 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 we'll let people imagine. Fair enough. How are you doing, Liam? Well, I've just had a lovely big curry for dinner. So if I cut loose at some point, I apologize for the noise in advance. Um <laughs> And if you start, you know, you know, belching or whatever, we'll go with the, yep, with the old throwback to you know your old place that you were living in. There we go. Make you feel right at home. What shirts that you wearing, Liam? It's the Mexico away shirt from last year's World Cup. Um, I thought since we played like a bunch of fan dancers yesterday, I might as well wear something with feathers on it, you know. So, oh, going early. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was looking at that, trying to figure out. Okay. Which couch material is that shirt made of? <laughs> you know, pretty much everyone's parents growing up had a good room over here yeah. with like the good couch that they put plastic on or you weren't allowed to sit on. Yeah, my parents had something with that color red, white, and then it had like a bright green on it. So it's like, yep, the shirt room is giving me the old vibes of my parents' good couch. <laughs> Great way to start the pod. But anyway. Yeah. That's probably the highlight of the whole show, everyone. Yeah, so yep. thank you for watching and good night. Uh. <laughs> yeah, so 
Yeah, unfortunately, we had the uh, result go against us in um, the old plastic pitch uh, down at uh, Rugby Park. So, yeah, we were two. We lost two one to Killy. You'd say the episode name Rugby Park Rochambeau because that game, seeing the way it played out, we had so many chances early on, didn't take them. They had a couple of chances, didn't take them, and then it was like we score. Their own goal, then the late goal for them. It was just like a kick in the nuts. So to quote the old Mr. Rochambeau here, <laughs> maybe get a bit of a Cartman in there for you if you don't know what Rochambeau is. <laughs> but yeah, so what we'll do is we'll get into the uh, starting lineups and go through there. So I oh, don't play. I just may have bumped the wrong thing here and I don't want that playing on my screen. There we go. <laughs> Your audience. Ah, oh, crap. That's not good. Great <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, Is waiting online. Hey, cut that out. Yeah, so. Just be glad it was that tab that went off and not the midget porn one, you know. just. That's Patreon, Liam. Come on, Liam. That's, that's behind the paywall. Uh, and and now we'll know if we'll get demonetized today because the first five minutes Liam's mentioned midget porn, so we're pretty much. Hey, hey, come on! That's not a swear. Ne- neither of those words taken separately are swear words, so I think we're okay. <laughs> yeah, but so you put them together on. that we have problems, you know. But <laughs> the defense, the defense rests. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. All right. Hi. So we'll get back to it. So starting lineup: yeah, Joe Hart and goals. Craig Taylor, Liam Scales, Nat Phillips, and Alistair Johnson. We then had midfield of Awada, McGregor, and O'Reilly, so they kept that that midfield pairing. Sorry, group there with, yeah, pairing the Awada and Kelmack with O'Reilly in front. O got the start again, Mikey on the right, Palmer on the left. Then you look at the bench, and you had Kyogo, Yang, Forrest, Turnbull, Narosky. Bernabe came in from nowhere. I... I didn't know that he still existed. Bernardo, Bain, and Ralston. Tilio's dropped out. Um, yeah, Shane, I want to get your thoughts on the on the starting lineup. So what was your thoughts when you saw the lineup and then overall the bank the strokes in the bench? I wasn't too surprised by the starting lineup, really. Um, you know, we had a lot of players who shone midweek against Hibs and they got rewarded for that performance, particularly keeping O up top. And obviously um, we had, um, you know, Palmer, who was fantastic midweek against Hibs. Obviously he wasn't being dropped. The only question mark for me was whether you partnered Phillips at centre-back with Scales um, if CCV wasn't fit or whether you actually went for Narosky coming back um, for his first game in a while or even Lagerbjörk. And um, I don't necessarily agree with the decision or didn't agree with it at the start of the game, but uh, you could make a case, I think, you know, being very generous, you could make a case for Philip getting a starting spot, particularly after he came on uh, after halftime against Hibbs. So in terms of the actual starting lineup, I wasn't too surprised. Um, Obviously, bench-wise, again, a little bit surprised at Bernabe coming in. Um, like you, I was uh, not too sure if we were going to see him make a match day squad. I think with O starting, we've got a little bit of extra bite coming off the actual bench now with Kyogo on the pine and gave us a little bit of something that we could turn to if need be. Um, and then 
Yang and no Tilio was uh, the biggest shock for me, probably. Um, I don't think, or I can't work out why Tilio is getting sort of chopped and changed a little bit here. He got half an hour midweek. I didn't think he warranted any way to lose his spot. So um, that was probably the uh, the biggest shock for me. But overall, definitely for the starting 11, I, I didn't really have too many concerns apart from Phillips. Yeah, we'll talk about the whole centre-back situation a bit later on in the show. But, yeah, Liam, what's your thoughts? Anything you wanted to add? No, I think Shane's pretty much covered it. It was a, it was a hard watch. I mean, the team should have been more than enough to get the job done. The pitch is an absolute dive, but we know it is, and we should have been prepared for that. Um, it's, you know, I, I will say what I'll say one thing, right? I do not like Kilmarnock, right? I don't like the club. I don't like the fans. I don't like the way the team usually sets up. But I will give them their due. That second half yesterday, they opened up and they came and had a go at Celtic and they got the result they deserved. So... We, we often slag other clubs for playing, you know, 11 men behind the ball whenever they play us. But Kilmarnock opened up, they had a go, and they were rewarded for it. So fair play to them in that respect. Off the back of that, Liam, yeah, I'll just agree with you on that. I can't remember seeing a Derek McInnes team actually come and play some sort of, you know, actual football rather than anti-football park in the bus in, against us in years. Maybe going right back to the Invincible treble season was when they had actually they were the second best team in the land and they'd get out there and they'd actually have a bit of a go at us rather than sitting deep and trying to hit us on the counter. So that's probably the last time I can think of one of his teams playing like that. So yeah, they deserve the result. But as um Chris Sutton was saying on commentary, it was one of those ones where the more chances we missed, the more we were inviting him into the game. And mm. that was you no know, true words were spoken on commentary at the end of the day. Like you look at the amount of shots we had, the amount of opportunities we had, and we just were wasteful. And then next thing you know, an own goal swings the game in their favour. Oh, they were already on top in terms of the performance, but they they weren't getting the goal. And then suddenly, you know, you end up with where you're at and they're just putting the ball through. You know, they put that goal in later and it was... I have a couple of questions on that last goal, but at the same time, it was out of their players position wise, but it was a good counter attack and they deserved the goal. So if we scored that exact same goal goal and the other way out like on us, I'd be raving about going, that's a great team team goal, well worked. So I've got to give credit where it's due that way. I can't you know can't have the green tinted specs on. I've got the normal specs on. But you know, gotta call a spade a spade. They deserved what they they deserved that result. Unfortunately we played like absolute rubbish and yeah. We got we you reap what you sow, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, it's such as the you know the competitive and financial gap between us and the rest of the teams in this league that when we play badly, the other team still needs to play out their skin to get a result, and you need to acknowledge both sides of that yes, we were rank rotten, but Kilmarnock still played well above themselves to get that result, and you know it's good that we can acknowledge that. Yep. Just going through some comments here. We'll bring them up and have a bit of a while well, we keep talking about it. So let's get them on the get them here. So RL77 Plastic, not fantastic. That was a potential podcast episode name tonight. So um, we went in a different route because I thought we may have done something similar in the past. 
Um, Robert Gibson, happy to tee off. The weather was better than the performance. That was something that Brendan said, Brendan Rogers said in the uh, post match interview on uh, Celtic TV as well. He goes, They asked him, Oh, was the weather a factor? And he goes, No, nah, it's actually probably one of the better ones we've had at this stadium because it's usually harder to play on the plastic when it's dry. So he actually openly said that. So I'm not going to, you know, make any excuses for that. Um, Andrew Galea. Evening, gentlemen. Gee whiz, let's get stuck into Rogers again. Do you want us to? Let us know in the comments. Because <laughs> everyone is in, you know, everyone's an open slather at the moment. Whether it's the board, the players, the, the management team, whatever, they're all they're all not performing, especially on that result. Robert Gibson, my mum and ten of her drunk pals could beat Killy. <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair call. Mm. Johnny couldn't be on tonight. All right, lads. Celtic is shot. Yep, it's on the uh, run sheet. Your your thing from our from our group chat. I've actually put it on there, so we'll talk about that a little later for you, John. Keep it positive, Johnny. Yeah, for tuning in, mate. Even though you couldn't be here tonight. Robert Gibson for the Champions League from Fantasis. That performance is exactly why we get our asses handed to us in Europe. Yep. RL seventy seven. Mikey Johnson wouldn't even be a guaranteed starter for other SPFL teams. Mm. I think he'd be a, I think he'd be a guaranteed starter probably at St. Mirren or St. Johnson. That's probably about it. And there are only the Dundee teams in the top flight. I can't remember. I think so. Dundee, probably, Dundee is. Yeah. yeah, he I always get confused which one's in the league. He'd get a game there too. Andrew Galea, we're outplayed in the second half. Undoubtedly. Absolutely. And yourself. Phillips may have a couple of mistakes, but at least he's pressing forward through the midfield in an attacking manner. I agree with that. He's doing the Chris Iyer sort of runs with the ball. But above all else, if you're a defender, make sure you get your defending right first before you worry about attacking and pushing forward. That's yeah. a little old school probably. Next thing I'm going to start rattling off on the four four two and stuff like that. But, you know... I love it where you can get you can sign a player or you're linked with a player and like Bernabe is a perfect example. Oh, he's really good going forward, but he's got to work defensively. But you signed him as a left back. That position is defense. Bolongoli was the same deal. So I always look at it if you're a defender, you've got to put your defense first. It reminds me of the the famous sporting quote about the uh the nineteen seventies and eighties boxer Joel Bugner. Uh I think it was Harry Carpenter said he said, that man has the physique of a Greek statue. Unfortunately, he also has the mobility and punching power of a Greek statue. Don't be knocking Aussie Joe Bug now. <laughs> That's it. Them's fighting words. My kangaroo behind is going to throw a punch oh. at you, Liam. Oh, dear. <laughs> no, no, no. We love you, Joe, if you're listening. No, no, no hard feelings. And that was not my quote. That was Harry Carpenter. Don't take it out on me. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Robert Gibson, McKinnis smiling at the end. Got it. He got his tactics right with soft as puppy shit. <laughs> I didn't read the whole thing before oh. I put it on the screen. I've, got, I've, got, I've already had my dinner after reading that one. Bloody hell. Oh. Peter Stevens said, we're gutless. we were gutless second half. We, Mikey and Phillips, can both piss off in January. I know we've got to clear out a bit, so we might dig into that if we get a little later on in the pod too. Mahesh was saying, Kyogre's Celtic's best striker, all else being equal, he should have started. I don't know about that because he's been in some pretty bad form recently and O has been in form. So 
I have no complaints with O starting the game. I would like to see them in, playing as a two, though. But I don't think we'll see that until there's a – whether it's Maeda's back or we've got someone who can play in, in an option there for us. Yeah, you're going to need uh, either Maeda or Abada to kind of make make sure that both the both the boys are getting the service if they're playing up front together. Because that's a, that was a problem for Kyogo for the last couple of months is he's just not getting the service. Yep. And then Robert Gibson, the own goal was Philip's best touch of the game. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to argue. Oh, dear. <laughs> I've got I've got some thoughts on that, so we'll um we'll crack yeah. on about them as well a bit later on. But yeah, I just wanted to um Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Get into the match overall, Shane. Do you want to give you a rundown of the first half? Well, I'm gonna, and I've got a, I've got an eye on the comments section while I do this. I'm gonna take a very positive stance on the first half in this, in that I think that we actually performed very well in the first half. I thought that opening 15 to 20 minutes we were fantastic. We had them completely penned in under pressure, repeat phases. We were moving the ball down really. Uh, we were moving the ball really well. Sorry, our passing was pretty good. We were making things happen. We weren't creating too many guilt edge chances, but, you know, we were putting them under pressure and they couldn't really clear their lines. Um, The game kind of settled after that and they started to work into it a little bit after that opening 20 or so minutes. But I still thought we were on top and and, um, definitely deserved um, that 1-0 lead at halftime. And I thought um, the likes of Calmac and Matt O'Reilly were playing particularly well. Um, And, you know, our... Our backline didn't look um, completely faultless, but they didn't look troubled either. Like I thought that we'd actually done pretty well in that first half, and um, it, I was very much of the. But that being said, I was very much of the opinion uh, towards the end of the first half that they were starting to work into it, and that we needed to get a second goal uh, pretty early on in that second half to nullify them. Otherwise, we were going to leave. Uh, ourselves open for them to come back into it. So, look, overall, I, I didn't really have too many complaints for the first half. And, um, yeah, it, which led to a complete shock of what we saw in the second 45. So I'll bring up Mahesh's comment here. Blind Freddy knew that was coming in the second half because McInnes has tried this before. Celtic should have been prepared and onto it. Liam, you had anything to add yeah. for the first half before we before you just running on to the second half for us? Well, we remember there was that Kelly chance where they hit either the post or the bar just before we scored. So mm. I think the warning signs were there that, you know, we were 
not shoring up the defence as we should have been. And they were, again, yet again, they were very clearly playing into our weakness at left-back. Um, you know, Greg Taylor can't fault his effort. Great servant to the club. That was his 100th game, I believe. But, um, you know, there's a clear deficiency there, either in the player or how the player is being used. Because it's not just Atletico Madrid that are exploiting it now. It's Kilmarnock. You know, I mean, that that's when you start to realise, guys, we've got a problem here. That was something I said in our group chat, Liam, where I'm like, it's a sad state of affairs for Taylor when he was, um, you know, it's not just teams in Europe targeting him like they have done the last couple of years. Mm. Teams in our league are doing it. And the thing is, you said if he's not being what the reason for it is, it's one of those ones where I look at it and go, I thought he was potentially our player of the season last year, inverting in Andrew's system, and that actually suited him. And now you yeah. get him in this system where he actually has to be uh, left back and play with a bit of width, and he's getting caught out something chronic. So, yeah, it's just a bit of a strange one, really. Well, before we dive on the second one here, let's quickly go a couple more comments here. John said here, the players don't fit BR's system, but BR's trying to get square pegs in around holes. Yep. Gone yourself has said, Brendan changed his style far too quickly, and now the players are struggling. Should have left the style in place and made slight tweaks, but he's been the old style far too quickly. 100% agree with that. Yep. Andrew Galea has also said everyone had to change for Rogers. And then we've got um, Rogers has destroyed Kyogo. And then the last one I wanted to bring up before we get into it is where did Kelmack and O'Reilly go in the second half? So, Liam, do you want to tell us where they went? Because someone in the comments said they must have gone to the pub. <laughs> I well, if they if they're going to the pub, I wish I'd joined them. I tell you, watching that last night when I can't have a drink because I'm working the next day, um, was not a pleasant experience. Uh, I mean, to be honest, I think not not so much to start the second half, but I think someone else mentioned it in the comments when we took Iwata off, the midfield just ceased to be a presence. We just completely bypassed the midfield after that, and. I think that shows that even when we were not playing well overall, I think that um, Iwata was kind of holding that midfield together and allowing McGregor and O'Reilly to do the damage they did in the first half, particularly leading up to the first goal. But as soon as you take Iwata off, that linchpin is removed and the whole thing just kind of falls apart. Um, some people are going to obviously say now, oh, well, you know, we got beat and we need to go back to what we had before because we were winning before. And it's like, well, yeah, but we weren't playing well. This has been due for a while. And I hope that Rogers doesn't reflexively just ditch the, the idea of Iwata in the holding role because he did nothing wrong. And I think taking him off to bring Kyogo on was a mistake. We should have taken off, you know, Palma was largely ineffective. Mikey Johnson was largely ineffective. You could have taken either of them off for Kyogo and just gone two up. That would have been the way to do it. Um, you know, but then again, I'm not the Celtic manager, so what do I know? Come on, Liam. <laughs> I'm sure you got some ideas. You probably understand how to use the Japanese players a bit better. Yep. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. Um, I mean that you know, there's there's a there's a saying in and I'm gonna go all sort of Mr. Miyagi for a minute here. There's an old That's saying in Japan that it's not it's not about <laughs> it's not about the, the weapon, it's about the person wielding it. And 
if we're going to say Kyoko's a weapon, that, that can be taken out of context, but if we're going to say... Aussie Kyoko... version if you want, Liam. I know what you're saying here, right? <laughs> right, the, right, Aussie, right. the Aussie version of what you're trying to get at yeah. is it's when you're with the lady and she says you've got a bit of a small weenus. <laughs> it's not the size of the nail, it's how you hammer it. That's the Aussie version ah. of what you're trying to say. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. There you go. I went there. Yeah. If we get demonetized, it's that too. <laughs> well, you you remind me of the, the famous game show quote from the 1980s. Live live on British TV. Anybody who watched TV back in the 80s will remember this. There was a game show called Strike It Lucky. And uh, there, was, there was a guy on it who was about 25 stone, right? And it really nice guy, but he said, so you, you married? He's like, no, no, I'm single. He says, all right, well, you're on live TV, 18 million people watching, here's your chance, you know, get a, make make your pitch to the ladies watching on TV. And he's like, and he freezes, right? Then he just goes, um, um, I've only got a small one, but I've got 22 stone to shove it in with. <laughs> 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 anyway... <laughs> off the rails now. Yeah, we've we officially derailed it. Uh. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> As a former oh. 120 kilo man, I will back <laughs> Anyway, yes. at least we're laughing. Anyway, speaking of cock, I don't want to talk about Rangers getting yet another penalty at the weekend. So, all I want to just to finish the game sort of talk off here. So, gone yourself is saying Brendan lost his touch. It all started at Leicester. Kennedy wished he's gone down south. Harry kills away to Japan. The players are bored and not good enough as a unit. Hmm. Ticks a lot of the boxes, doesn't it? I mean, but, yeah. I, I said it at the time, and you know, I think Jared, to a certain extent, you agreed with me. Um, we should have gone for a continuity candidate, not a different style of manager. We wanted to keep in place what Ange had put in place, and for good or for bad, Brendan Rodgers has largely unpicked a lot of that now. And, so usually. Yeah. To jump in, Liam, I'm going to just go on this. What was Andrew's quote again about building a house when he started? Mm. We all know the quote we're talking about. you got to build a house up by brick, whatever, to get there. Yeah. And then so he did something like that, and then suddenly Brendan's come in. It's like, you know, it's like he's taken the walls down but left the roof up, if that makes sense. Right. Right. I, I think just on that second half and – it was quite a shock to see just how badly we were bossed. They pretty much from the first whistle, they just had us under complete pressure. They pressed us. They were in our faces and we couldn't handle it. We completely went to water. We looked all out of sorts and it just felt like a matter of time. And it just, it was rinse and repeat, same mistakes over and over again. The back four looked vulnerable our midfield was non-existent. I'd actually, I'm going to be honest, I, I'd probably disagree with Liam. I thought that from the opening 45, or from the opening whistle of the second half, I thought our midfield was being completely bypassed. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily that was necessarily saying that was particular player's fault. Just we seemed to be bypassing the midfield because of the pressure they were putting on us. 
Um, I actually did think the move to take Awada off and bring Kyogo on was the right one. I thought at that point um, Awada was relatively ineffective from from what I was watching. But my issue with it, it was just too late. It was it was after they had equalised. It was about 10 to 15 minutes way too late when we actually needed to get a foothold in the game. And it just seemed to be coasting in their favour. It felt inevitable that they were eventually going to create a couple of guilt-edge chances and put them away. And what concerned me is we've talked ad nauseum about poor performances and poor in-game performances, and I'm sure we'll discuss a bit further, but this was the first time where we looked just completely swamped by another team's pressure. And when you think of a Brendan Rodgers team, you think of a team that gets their foot on the ball, that knocks it around for a bit, that actually look flat because they're not moving the ball quick enough that they can't find the option. We couldn't put our foot on the ball. We couldn't control the ball. Our passing was sloppy. Our movement ahead of the player with the ball was awful. We just completely went to water and there was kind of no real way to change that. And that's why I thought the decision to bring Kyogo on and take a water off and moving Kalmak was the right move because you put Kalmak back a bit deeper. You've got that leadership. You need your leaders to stand up in that type of game. We're not looking for players with technical ability and to necessarily make that cut through ball. We're looking for your leaders to stand up, take control of the situation, say, hang on a second, let's just let's just do this, let's keep it calm. So I thought the move was right. It was just way too late. By that time, they had the ascendancy in the game and we couldn't wrestle it back. And um you know, it was going to be interesting to see whether they actually decided to stick for a point, but they they knew that they could get us. They knew that we were um, out of sorts and they went for it and they got it. Um, I can't remember the last time seeing us bullied in the league like that. It was a it was a shock and it was an abysmal second half. I have to agree with you, Shane, about the midfield as well. Like for me, second half, they were pretty much non-existent and we're going wide. We're going to the out ball. We're trying to play around them rather than through the middle of the park. Um, so bringing on Jamesy, bringing on Yang, even though Yang has been pretty rancid lately, was probably the right moves there. Kyogo coming on, okay, that's cool. But you look at our other midfield options, we're getting absolutely overrun. And you've got Turnbull on the bench. If you bring him on, him and O'Reilly can't play together. They always struggle. So that's not going to be the game changer we need. The other midfield option we've got on the bench is Bernardo. That's it. Mm. So maybe you bring Bernardo on, you bring a water off, Kalmak goes to the six, O'Roll is the eight, Bernardo's in the ten. Maybe that works. But at the same time, there's still no guarantees. It's gonna sound really weird. Maybe we just go that stupid um uh PSG formation that they played last year, a four two four. You play with your two wide guys. You play with um, your two strikers up the top and you just say, okay, you're going to crowd the middle. We'll go around you and have all our players out there. But, you know, I've got some there's some stats here from Mahesh as well, which ties into it. So Alistair Johnson, only five touches in defence on the right. Taylor had 40. Killy definitely targeted our left flank. Mm-hmm. Both their goals come down the left flank as well. RL77 was if we'd adequately replaced GG Moy, Jota Starfelt, we don't lose that game. Even if we adequately replace two of them, we don't lose that game. Mm, absolutely. Uh, those four specifically, every one, every one of the the players we have now is a downgrade on them. Yeah, yep. that, that, that's the reality. Mahesh is saying Awada only had thirty-seven touches in the game. Kelmack in the same position regularly twice as much. 
Mm. They're actually different players, though. That's the thing. Like, Kalmak will come back and basically drop in the Bruni sort of role where he was between the two centre halves. So he'd get a lot of extra t- touches and passes across there. Mm. Yeah, and Iwata is much less of a, an attack. Because even when he's playing deep, Kalmak does get forward now and again. Iwata doesn't do that. He is a sitting defensive midfielder. That, that, that's his job. Yep. So it's, I, I mean, I, I get what Mahesh is saying. Um, Iwata definitely wasn't as involved in the game as, as McGregor is in that position, but he's not supposed to be, I don't think, if you if he's playing to his, to his strengths. Yep. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, and then there was... Yes, that was a comment from Mark McDonald earlier on as well. Why take a wider off when being overrun in the midfield? Defeat is on Rodgers. Yeah, that was my thought. But like you guys say, you make a good case for countering that argument. So, And then you've got R77, the second killer goal. Taylor's doing some great work up on the right <laughs> in position for Celtic. Uh, I did notice that too. That's why Scales was out of position and holding off like unsure. Do I close him down and stop mm. the cross? Do I hold back? What am I supposed to do here? And he seemed out of position. So I'll put it all down to Taylor Bean rolls out of whack there. Less said about Phillips playing everyone onside, the better. Yeah. 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 So yeah, I think we'll um we'll just do the final thing here. So one thing we haven't spoken about here is Matt O'Reilly's goal. Your thoughts, Shane? Oh, look, I thought it was actually a pretty good build-up. You had uh, Mikey Johnson get the ball, linked up well with Calmac. Calmac absolutely sends a couple of Killy players off for the Killy pie. Did you see that? That oh, was yeah. beautiful. Um, cuts back inside, takes the shot, and then Matt very smartly follows it in. And what's good about the behind-the-goals footage uh, is you can actually see Matt's marker because of the turn that Calmac makes the guy who's sort of marking Matt has to come more centrally to try and block that initial threat, which means that Matt's unmarked when it actually gets parried away. So really smart play. Um, but the build-up before it was pretty good as well. So credit where it's due. And um, we, we deserved that goal on that first half performance. And um, that's, I think, nine goals for him this season. I don't even think he'd had any at this point last season. So um, if we are still trying to talk positives, Matt O'Reilly is absolutely something you can underline for this season. Yeah, Matt O'Reilly yeah. last year basically didn't score until what was it in the last month of the season or something like that. So, yeah, he was leading the league in assists. But something I noticed in the game was he was getting further forward than O quite a bit playing in that role. So it was like, I just thought, okay, he's starting when his defender's stepping off, he does make those forward runs. And like, as you were saying there, Shane, from the reverse angle, his defender stepped over. A lot of players would have held back. And he was like, all right, you're not going to pick me up. I'm just going to go in in case I'm needed, not because he was needed, and it actually worked out well. So, yeah, a bit of an interesting one for us. And then we've got Andrew saying here, um, 
needed two holding midfielders. If we'd done that while we were still one nothing up, we could probably have weathered the storm and got through it, yeah. Smell the glove. Thanks for tuning in. We'll, we'll say it as is because, you know, the club doesn't invite us to anything at all, so we don't give two shits on that front. We'll just say what we think. So Definitely, definitely not now. <laughs> all I'm going to say, Shane, is they came to our country last year and didn't even do anything. So we'll say what we want. <laughs> uh Came, yeah, came, so, to my, came to my country this summer and charged me a bloody 300 quid for the privilege. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, player focus, we've pretty much gone through it. Is there any other players you guys want to discuss individually? We'll go one player each to rattle off from the game. I'll start with Joe Hart. Hmm. There was times there, like, okay, he, in the six-yard box, his positioning where he was able to get down and block those shots or deflect them onto the post, that sort of thing, he seems to be doing okay with. Their, their goal when with, with the own goal, I have no idea what communication is happening between Phillips and Hart, but Joe Hart as the goalkeeper who is facing forward and seeing where the ball is coming in and he's right there next to Phillips, like behind Phillips, should be saying to him, leave it, it's mine, and then diving on it, and Phillips is just holding off so no one can get to it. So for me, Joe Hart needs to take responsibility on that. With their second goal, the cross comes over the top. What does he need to do? Come and put a punch on it or come and grab it. That's the issue for me with Joe Hart at the moment. He's just, he doesn't have that physical presence. He's not commanding his box like he should be doing. And that's the step back I think I've seen on him at the moment. Like I said when he first came into the club, I openly say it, you can find it on the podcast a couple of years ago, that I didn't think many of um I didn't think it was a great signing in terms of him coming in because of, I don't know how he'd suit Andrew's system. Funny thing is Andrew's system actually suited him better than what we're seeing from him this year. So yeah. I think we definitely need to get a left back. We definitely need to get a goalkeeper. They're the two priorities, but we said that at the start of the season. Boys, got anyone you want to give a player focus to? You go, Lee. I would just say that I thought Alistair Johnson's first half clearance, um, which he somehow got with his head, was absolutely incredible. Um, and I don't think he had a particularly bad game because, like you say, most of the... Well, both the Kelly goals came down the other side of the pitch. So I think Johnson is one of the few players who, for me, gets pass marks um, for his overall performance. That was the funniest save, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, think you, I think you're generous on the pass marks, but I agree with you that I thought of a back four that looked completely swamped and uh, mm. all out of sorts, he was definitely the best of the back four. Um, he was at least solid without being spectacular. So, um, yeah, completely agree. And, yeah, wonderful clearance. Um, absolutely ridiculous. I think they were calling that or uh, a particular pundit was pushing for that to be a handball um, from my <laughs> understanding. Completely ridiculous. Utterly ridiculous. Um, <laughs> um, I'm I'm going to pick up on it's the communication. Over. I'm going to pick up on the communication stuff that you were talking about, Jared, and I'm going to focus on Liam Scales for a second. 
Um, I thought that was probably his poorest game since he's established himself as a starting 11 player. Um, yeah. I thought he looked all, he just looked all at sea himself. And um, it was amazing seeing him look that way, not being partnered by CCV. They've, they've built up a really good partnership over that small amount of time they've played together. I think you're starting to really see the importance that CCV has on that back four. He's he's a bit of a commander. He's not just a defensive wall, but he's a bit of a commander. He directs things. And we looked completely all out of sorts with without him there. And I don't think it's any proof that when you partnered Phillips with Scales that they both just seemed to lack a bit of direction. And they, they really did. They they lost a lot of confidence. The amount of times where both Scales and Phillips were getting long balls over the top, running back towards Hart and not really knowing what to do. And that's where you need sort of what we're talking about before with the leadership, but also to your point, the communication. That's where you need people, loud voices telling you what's going on, directing you, giving you that confidence to know, okay, I can get it, I can turn, I can play it back, I've got an option here. And it just seemed like we didn't have that. So I thought it was very telling that Scales was also pretty poor and, and as I said, probably his poorest game since he really established himself in the team. I'm going to take what you say there and I'm going to just throw a couple of little things in there. I'm going to be on the Liam Scales apologist committee right now on that because, yeah, it was his worst game since he's been in the first team, Okay. But you got Carter Vickers on one side who, you know, pretty much with him with Starfelt, you put him out there with Welsh, you put him out there with anyone, and he's like the Virgil in that back line next to Denier or um, what was his name, Jozo or whoever, right? So you've got options. I probably got it wrong when I said Jozo. I don't think he was at the club at the time. I think he was Virgil's replacement, actually. But you get my drift. Like, he was the organiser. And then on the other side of scales, you've got this stat from Mahesh ties it up. Bloody mosquitoes in here. Killy's 29 touches in the box, 26 from the left side. So you've got all that work happening. So when Taylor is getting absolutely rinsed, he's getting targeted, scales is constantly having a shift, and then he doesn't have his usual backup organizer behind him. You put it all together, and it's an absolute Recipe for disaster. That's the way I'm looking at it. So, yeah, like, and Andrew's saying here, if your defence is getting swamped, the problem is in the midfield. That's what we saw in the second half. So, for me, I understand what you're saying, Shane, about scales, and I agree it was his worst game, but I think there's decent reasons for that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I think you're sort of underlying, underlining sort of the point. It's most certainly not necessarily all down to him it was more the fact that he didn't have his usual partners, right? And so he struggled to get through without that. <laughs> I just read that comment. Some of the comments here. exciting team, made them boring, pass, pass, pass. Robert's response. Rogers is Peter Law's rub and tugger. Sorry, Shane, that I just laughed over no, the top. No, no, no. I, 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 I agree with you. I think I like I'm sort of saying that he had a poor performance, but I agree with you. There were reasons for that. You know, we've seen how good he can be since he's come in. So that's what I was trying to outline is that that kind of shift with the team and his partners around him contributed significantly to the way that he played. Well, I, I, think, I, I think the Robin Tugger comments are a bit unfair. I mean, I'm going to point to the obvious lack of an impending happy ending, you know. 
Yeah, Pyro seventy seven. They protected Taylor defensively. I think that had a lot to do with it as well. Yeah, every every t- every sort of while you you kind of remember just how important Starfelt was, even if he had his faults uh, as a defender, particularly in the air, he was imperious, and we've really struggled without him there. But Maeda too tracking back, you don't really get that on the left side um, at the moment. So wholeheartedly agree. And smell the glove. Now, hopefully, people will realise why Maeda is crucial for us. Oh, my Asia's comment. Oh, dear. I'd oh, hope he doesn't have them, and that's all I have to say. So, talking about the centre backs, we're going to go to the conundrum there. So, we spoke about it when we were going through the starting lineup. Well, with um, Nat Phillips getting the start. Hey, here they come. <laughs> they've, they've found us. <laughs> In the comments, your absolute flog. Oh, congratulations on tearing yourself away from your sister for long enough to comment, mate. Well done. Yeah, good fun, moron. <laughs> but anyway, um, back to the centre-back thing. My question about all of this is, okay, so Philip's got the start with Carter Vickers being out. How much did we spend in the off-season on the Roski and Lagerbelka? To have Lagerbelka can't get a game because apparently Rogers thinks is too slow, and Narosky is coming back from injury. That's £7.3 million spent on two centre-backs. Yeah, good fun. So what are your thoughts on that, Shane? Should Phillips be getting games? Would you like to see Narosky in? Should Lagerbelka be on the bench? Oh, no, Phillips, like, this is it now. He can't... I, I don't think we'll see him suit up for Celtic again unless we have some sort of centre-back injury crisis, Mark, too. Like, his just poor performance was... He hasn't really shown anything in the performances I've seen, and this just peaked on the weekend where he was just seemingly so lost and his positioning was terrible and he looked completely just out of confidence on the ball and his defending was poor. Like, it, it's just... Yeah, the Shane Duffy comparisons are coming through, and I think with good reason as well. Yeah, exactly. Like it's it's very noticeable. It was just so bad. Um, we've we've got it. We've got to start going back to the centre halves that we've actually bought and bought in and invested in. Even if we think someone like Lagerbelk is a, um, if we want to call it a project player or something like that, bring him in. He's got to start. Like. Or Narosky, like Narosky being on the bench, you'd almost go just bring him in, even if he hasn't had match time for a while. Just bring him in. Um, yeah, it's hard to find anything positive or endearing about Nat Phillips's performances so far, but um, I just I can't see how he can possibly warrant another start um, based off of what we saw at uh, at Rugby Park. No, and the thing is, Carter Vickers, whoever you play alongside him, he's going to make them a better player. So even if Lagerbilka or Narosky is not the finished article yet, you know, give them 10 games alongside Carter Vickers and they'll, they'll get a lot closer. I mean, look at how much he improved Starfelt last season. Mm. You know, I think you could do, do a similar, a similar job on either of those two. If they played a good run of 10 to 15 games alongside Carter Vickers. But I just don't remember ever, like we had partnerships during the earlier in the season where we had scales with Lagerbilk and so forth. And I just don't remember them being, as kind of exposed as they were as a duo, as we saw yesterday with Scales and Phillips. Um, yeah. 
It, it yeah. was just so noticeable. And look, it sounds like we're, we're really honing in on one person and, and we don't like to do that. I'll be honest, right? We like to be pragmatic and, and be fair. And I've got nothing personal against him, but judging on what we saw um, in that overall package yesterday for that 90 minutes, no, you've got to you've got to bring somebody else in. You're either going back to CCV, or if CCV is not fit, you're going to Narosky or you're going to Lagerbilk. It, it just you've you've got to make that change now. It's it's not sustainable anymore. Yeah, I'm just going to go on with this here. So it's one of them things for me where I look at it and go, I'd rather develop our own player. So rather than Phillips getting the game, if we spent you know, 4.2, 4.3 million on Narosky. We spent three and a half, four million, whatever it was, on um, on Lagerbelka. And then as um, a couple of the comments here, so smell the glove, like Lagerbelka was slaved off, but he had, what, five or six clean sheets? Narosky. He was, he was fine up until that European game, yeah. you know. 4.2 for Narosky is nowhere to be seen. That's mm. the thing. I look at it and go, where... Where are these guys getting, you know, like where are they going to get their games? Why aren't we seeing them play? It's just makes no sense to me. Like you've gone out, you spent, you've obviously scouted the players, you brought them in. So they should be the guys in the mix. And then on top of that, you've got Taylor getting slaughtered, but then we go and spend four million, three and a half, four million on Burner Bay. So there's 11 and a bit million for those three defenders who aren't even getting anywhere near the team. It's kind of given me the vibes of, you know, under Lenny when we got pumped out of Europe and we what we have on the bench, Bolongoli and Julian, which was like 10 a bit million worth of defenders that we just signed. It's reminded me of that. Like, why have all these players that you've got and you spend a lot of money on if you're not going to play them? Makes no sense. Yeah, I mean, you know, you can talk all about who's 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 doing the scouting, who's sanctioning the signings, whatever, at the end of the day. It's the manager's job to put a winning team on the park. And if the team aren't winning and players are we're shelling out seven figures for players and no using them, then <laughs> you've got to say at some point that's the manager as much as it is the board, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And you can see what you can in training, but then you've also got to judge how they perform on the park. Now, on what I've seen from Phillips so far, like I, I wouldn't have necessarily – I think you could make a case, I'll be fair, you could make a case with CCV being out that he – had to start at Killy, but if you've got a fit Narosky, I'd be more inclined to bring him in, or as uh, Jared, you were saying, Lagerbjelk, and bring them back into the fold because they are players that we've actually invested in, that we're hoping will be here for a long time, or that we'll be able to build up and sell on for a higher fee, right? Um, you know, Phillips, his loan ends in January, right? As far as I see him now, I had different thoughts earlier in the season, but right now, I just see him as cover. And so I don't know why you would not actually, as you said, put in the players that we've invested the money in and have them start and start to build that cohesiveness with the rest of their team that you're hoping they'll be joining and be part of for a little while to come. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the thing is that, you know, whether Phillips plays the next two games or not, um, he's off. In January, I think we all agree that he's off in January. And even if we, you know, if we beat, if we beat the the Huns at New Year, um, we're still going to have to beat them in a, another twice with without Phillips. So we'd be as well getting someone else in there that's going to get some experience of playing against them. And better to get the experience at a home game where it's our fans behind them than 
going to Serpent Mountain and trying to do it, you know. I've I've yet to see anything from Phillips in any game that he's played that makes me think he is better than what we've got. Like that's yeah. the thing that that I can't figure out. Like Mahesh is saying here, like, is there a clause in Phillips' contract that he has to play certain minutes? Don't know, to be honest with you. But I that would wonder. be really, that makes makes you think because at the end of the day, like if he's as as you said, Cheney, Phillips is his backup then he should be back up at his own club. Why would you want to come up the road to us to just be back up in Scotland when you could be back up in the Premier League, in, down the EPL? It makes no sense. At least he's getting some game time, I suppose. But, yeah, it's going to be a bit of an interesting one. I'd rather we back our players in. There's a few comments on this, so I'll bring them up now. So uh, we were saying here, Pat McLaughlin is, I, I don't want to hear our manager telling us in interviews that our two centre-back summer signings are miles off the first mm. team. Keep that in-house. Absolutely. 100% agree with that. I did not like that comment at all. Smell the glove. Taylor's confidence is done. Try scales at left-back till January with CCV and Naroki at centres. Couldn't be any worse than what we're seeing. Anthony Beattie is saying the back line needs height and physicality. CCV and Naroki play scales at left-back. Taylor's form has fallen off a cliff. And then Pat's also saying, what's he saying to them behind closed doors? So if he's, yeah, so if um, Rogers is saying that to, in the media or in interviews, what's he saying to the players behind the closed doors? So it's, it's as if the manager's hell-bent on slaughtering the players in public. Mm. And then there's another comment from, just trying to find it, gone yourself. Because Rogers has his favourites, get rid of the old guard. Turnbull, Mikey Johnson, Forrest, Taylor, etc. So yeah, there's a few little few comments here and there, but yeah, it makes makes you wonder what's being said. Oh geez, he's back. <laughs> on. Uh, no, I'm just gonna go off on that tangent because I didn't like that either. Now, from recollection, this was post the kind of verbal pasting he gave the team after their first half performance at uh, St. Johnston, which was warranted. And I thought that was done well enough and showed a side of Brendan that I thought was, well, he wasn't willing to cover them for that performance, but he didn't really single individuals out. You know, it was a collectively they, you know, we were awful, right? And we got it wrong and the players need to learn, but then to go into the media and, and to basically say they are miles off it. You're talking about players that we've invested in, even if they are miles off it, it's a really unusual thing to come out and say that to the media, make it in, put it in the public domain. That is something you'd more keep indoors. There are different ways that you could put that. I most certainly was surprised when I read that and I found that that it wasn't really the right thing to say. Now, maybe he's trying to elicit some sort of response and get them to be better in training. I, I don't believe in that. I think there's different ways to do that. I think you can say it in different mannerisms and not directly basically question you're basically saying they're not up to our standard, which is going to lead to questions say, well, why did we sign them if not up to our standard? You know, you're only going to ask or generate more questions and negativity around the decisions to sign them and the players themselves. And I think as a manager, you have a job and a duty of care to still protect your players, even when they're not necessarily playing well or doing particularly well. There's a time and a place for maybe critiquing them to that degree. I didn't think that was the right time. Talking about that, 
if they're not up to our standard and we put all the time and effort into identifying the players, scouting the players, recruiting them, getting them in, and they're not up to our standard, then one of two things happens. Either our recruitment staff also aren't up to our standard or somebody clearly doesn't know what our standard is, whether that's the gaffer, whether that's the recruitment staff, there's issues there. So RL77, not questioning the players, more questioning the recruitment. That ties into what I just was saying there. Mm. And Mahesh has got a doozy here. Naraki, 4 million, 156 minutes so far, 25 grand a minute. <laughs> Jesus. Gee whiz, it's insane. So, yeah, well, um, just going to ask you, ask you, Liam. So, mm. this is the question that John asked in our group chat. So, why are Celtic shite at the moment? And what will happen in January? Do you really think Brendan is going to get backing from the board? What do you think, Liam? One of two things will happen. Either we go out and spend about 25, 30 million completely overhauling this team to get it to what Rogers wants. And I don't necessarily think that will lead to better football, but it will lead to better results. Or same old, same old, and Brendan Rogers is out the door before the end of the season because he's not been given what was promised to him uh, when he agreed to come back. Because at the end of the day, and, you know, say what you will about the ability of the man. He's an excellent manager. I'm not going to question that, but I do question his character. And I think um, he has proven in the past, not just with Celtic, but with other teams, that Brendan Rodgers' number one priority is Brendan Rodgers. So as soon as it becomes clear that we are struggling to win this league, he is going to move away before there's too much reputational damage. You know, if he leaves, if he was to leave right now, he would still get a job with a middling club in the English Premier League. If he has overseen the collapse of a Celtic team that was completely dominant last season, um, he'll be lucky to get a job in the Championship. So that's what that's the judgment call he's going to make based on what we do or don't do in January. And it's just it's a bad situation because I don't see it ending well. I really don't because. I think we'll still win this league because thankfully our rivals are even are, are as bad or worse than we are. But I don't think we're convincing at all. I think we're going to continue to get our arses handed to us in Europe until we completely change the attitude at boardroom level. And that's not just players, that is marketing, that is revenue generation, that is everything. The entire shell of the upper management at Celtic above the football club needs to be ripped out and replaced. And it's, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. So, yeah, well, it's, um, yeah, there's this one here from Andrew. It's as if his goal is to completely dismantle everything. Ange. Yep. But the thing is like first lot around, he came in, he did the invincible trouble. And there was talk of him once he left us, eventually going to going over to Europe and managing whether it's in Spain or whether it's in, you know, Germany or something like that. That was always something that he said he wanted to do, which was coach manage on the continent. Now, if he stays to the end of the season, things don't go well and we end up in the shit, he won't get a gig down in England. You're saying that you'll be lucky to get on the championship. 
Mm. I think we'll see the old Davy Moyes when he left Man United sort of role for him where he'd end up at like a real sociedad or some sort of mid-tier Spanish team or something like that. That that would be the next move. So yeah, I just I don't I don't think the board will I think the board will need to back him. I see you, Andrew. Kevin Musket is free agent. Yep. I said in the summer um, that's who we should have got in the first place. That's perfect for continuity. He's done it at two clubs before and both times he's stepped up, taken Angie's team, tweaked it, made whatever, and has gone on to win titles with it. Strange I was saying the same. I'd take Musket. That's what we should have done. And realistically, and Pat saying Mareska doesn't seem like a bad idea now, does he? At the end of the day, we should have kept for continuity. We should never have just scored for the name. And that was why I was a little bit odd as well. Like I thought it was a little odd, but we'll um I've got some we'll bring out some other comments here, then I'll get your thoughts on it, Shane, and then we'll move on to the Champions League game to wrap up the pod. So um Pat McLaughlin, I wouldn't give Rogers fifty pence now. Robert Gibson, Rogers will run away again. Andrew's like, yep, he'll left off. Pat's like, he'll be out by Easter. Pat's also like, once that mob get a six-point lead, he will run. His managerial career will be in tatters. And then, yeah, there was a – and then RL77, might also leave because he feels like he's been lied to. Yeah. Robert Gibson. Peter Lawwell will be Celtic manager by the new year. It's always oh, been his playing the long game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so um, yeah, it's a bit of an interesting one, but there you go. Probably Rogers' next job will be MacArthur FC if he keeps this up. Uh, I don't, and, I don't think so, Robert. Uh, they're doing pretty well under Mille Studiowski, uh, soccer is legend. So uh, I, I think Mille would see him off. So not, not MacArthur. Maybe, maybe Sydney FC if they didn't recently employ a uh, Ulfuk. Try and read that without having the pronunciation prior in your head. Um, Yeah, no, he's not going to MacArthur. Um, Look, the board stuff, I'll be quite upfront. It's you guys are much more okay with the board stuff and all that than I probably ever will be. So I hold my hands up and defer to your uh, very keen judgment. Oh, yes, Andrew, I agree. Western United, absolutely. Eloise, he's done. Anyway, I'll get back to the discussion at hand. I do worry just with the dialogue and the fact that that Brendan has made known that that he's needing quality or needed quality or wanted quality, that, that there is already a bit of a divide there um, that we were hoping wouldn't necessarily resurface. And it does almost make what happens in January a bit of the defining moment of whether he kind of stays or goes. I think I think there is some legitimacy in that because if they don't back him in, well, what is he going to do if the team isn't necessarily performing well? Is he going to hang around, try and stick it out and then hope that that changes in future? Or is he going to turn around and say, well, it's the same old, same old, I'm going to get out of here. And, and as you guys have, have already put, I'm going to try and find another gig somewhere else where maybe, hey, it's an opportunity down in England or wherever, and I will get that support. So, But at the same time, not to completely exonerate Brendan, I think there's also responsibility on his part of things to make sure that maybe the board isn't necessarily giving him what he wants, but he's got a squad and he needs to make sure that he is still putting forward his best team every week and maybe not trying to, as I've seen mentioned, uh, put forward uh, a starting 11 that try and highlight um, 
the lack of quality. That There's been some comments basically saying he's playing certain players in certain ways because he wants to really underline the need for quality. Now, I find that to be really um, a poor reflection if he is doing that, and I, I stress if, a poor reflection on him as opposed to necessarily the board. As a manager, your job is still to to do the best you can with what you've got, and that means making sure you're picking your best starting eleven. And if he used to do something different, or if he's persisting with some players, which we've already touched on in the episode that maybe shouldn't be, um, then that he carries the can for that, not necessarily the board. So, um, I, for what it's worth, I think we will see some funds made available. I think he will be able to sign some players as a way, if the board genuinely wants him to stick around, as they've done with the, the contract they've signed him to, I can see them opening up the funds and checkbook a little bit in January as a way to kind of reassure him that that support is there. Because I'd be very fearful of what comes next if if we don't actually make any funds available for him to make some signings in January. I play devil's advocate here, Shane. Uh, bring up a comment from, uh, where is it? I just lost it again. From Strange Love, here it is. The quality, in my opinion, is already there. It's a treble-winning squad with nine additions. Yeah, I, I actually would agree with that. And then Gone Yourself is, it's strange, nine additions, yet he plays Turnbull Forrest, Mikey Johnson, Taylor, Phillips. At the end of the day, like what I'm going to, what I say as I play devil's advocate is Rogers, when he first was coming up and he was at Swansea, he had Joe Allen, a young guy, coming through. He had... Sigurdsson, he had, shouldn't mention his name though because of you know what, but he had a bunch of other players coming through as well and he was developing young players. He went to Liverpool, brought through Raheem Sterling, brought through a bunch of other young players through there as well and developed them and made things happen. His first stint with us, we had a good squad, there was youth there and he developed and brought through players. He's gone to Leicester he did the same for the first couple of years there. But the last couple of years there, his recruitment was rubbish and he was just spending money. He's come back here and he's saying, I need, he's like, I need quality. Okay, but are you a checkbook manager now or are you going to develop what's here because there's some bloody good players at our club. And if you're the manager you say you are, you should be able to develop them and play them and play in a way that, Build a system that suits the players you have available. Don't go, this is my system, this is what we play, and chop and change and muck around with it until you get something right. You do that, you're basically being a Claudio Ranieri, the tinker man, who did that when he was at Chelsea, got the flick for it, did that when he was at Leicester after winning a title, got the flick for it. So realistically, the chopping and changing and asking for quality and always putting their head and going, I need more money, I need more money, when you've got a 32-man squad, You've got to either make the most of what you've got and bring in two or three like he did his first stint at the club or move on a bunch of those players you don't want and then reinvest it into your squad and build that up again. He hasn't done either. So it's a bit of a um, a bit of a shit show to be in, really. That's the way I look at it, and that's the whole devil's advocate side. Just to add something to that, Jared, the other thing is if you are the self, just to put, again, to play devil's advocate here, if you're the Celtic board right now, you've also got to say, well, which is going to be easier to do in January? Give Brendan the money for the players that he wants, and we still might not get any better as a team because it might just be the tactics aren't working, or Mm. get him out the door and get another manager in who's going to bring back the style that Ange was playing and probably need less money to do it. 
Well, and since we're doing Devil's Advocate, you know, and this gets back to Strange Love the Doctor's comment, if we, and I think judging from you guys as well, we believe that this is a squad that should be winning the Scottish League and that has quality in it to win the league, right? Yeah. So if you're the board and you're out of Europe and you come to January, you're making funds available for literally some quality players to basically go and win the league. But if you assess and go, well, we think this squad already has the quality to do that, you're probably not going to be super inclined to open the checkbook and give him the funds, right? You're going to be like, well, hang on, you've got what you need. Europe's over now. We've we've done that dash. It's been another disappointment. We're going to reassess that, you know, when we get to the end of the season. But you've got everything you need to win the title and therefore get back into Europe. So we're not going to open up the checkbook for you. So there's definitely a couple of ways this could go. Um I, I, I get back to the point that you were making, Jared, when you were playing devil's advocate. This team has quality. This squad has quality. And and to an extent, sort of what I was saying before about making sure you're playing that best team, you know, I'd I, I hate to harp on, but we're a down, down under podcast. Tilio for me, is a perfect example of this. I have no idea why on earth he was dropped from the squad against Killy. He comes back in against Hibs. He plays half hour. He, he, like, why? You know, he's that kind of player where... You know, no disrespect to Mikey, and he's done a great job, right? I like Mikey. I don't have any issues with him. But, you know, you want Tilio to be that kind of guy, that production line, right, where, okay, someone's down, bring in the guy that we've invested in that we're looking to develop and build up, right? That's Tilio. Put him in. Give him a chance. Maybe not necessarily start, but bring him on at halftime or whatever. But we're not seeing that. It seems to be a real kind of push before he gets the opportunity, and I don't understand why. And this is this is very different to what I think we used to see under Ange. Well, the production line that we talk about is spot on. Like, okay, it was Jodder out there. He's been sold. Now it's a barter starting position. He's injured. We signed Tilio and Yang to back him up. So I look at it and go, Tilio's better than Yang. Tilio's better than Mikey Johnson. Maybe the only reason he wasn't in the Killy thing is because of the, the leg injuries he's been carried and since he's come in, did no pre-season, you don't want to play him on the plastic. That's the only reason I could think he was dropped out of that because there's no way in hell Yang should have been playing before Tilio with what we've seen recently. But, you know, and then you get the production line on the other side. All right, Maeda starts. You've got Palmer. You've got, um, yeah, you've got other guys who can play in there as well. So Tilio can go over there as well. So... It's a, yeah, I'm just, I don't know. Yeah, and then gone yourself with saying Tilio's class. Rogers loves his old guard crap. He's also saying Tilio's quality doesn't like him. Yeah, it's just, I don't know, it's just frustrating. And Andrew Glee is saying there are better wing, Aussie wingers than Tilio. Yeah, there's a couple. Yeah, no, I, I, um, I wouldn't disagree with that, Andrew, nice. but not at, not at Celtic. Exactly. No. So... I'm not talking about Tilio like he should be the starter every week. I'm being realistic here. When we've got a full squad back together, you're going to have Maeda, Palmer, and Abada. Those three will be your starting wingers. Most of them can switch positions anyway. So Palmer can play on the left, Abada will play on the right, Maeda can play both sides. So we've got the coverage. You need that four string. Who's your next man up in that spot? And that's where I see Tilio being the best of the next batch, which is your production line. So if one of those guys gets sold in a year or two, then you've got Yang, you've got Tilio, you've got those guys ready to come in. So, yeah, it's just 
Oh, it's gonna. I don't know it just doesn't seem right. <laughs> no. All I want is Ange back in a bag of cans. Yeah, hundred percent. Hundred percent. Lots of cans. Yeah. So strange love is here's my hypothetical. Brennan was happy on his sabbatical resetting after experience at Leicester. We were looking at Maresca, Nutson, Musket, Galato. Yeah, I thought Galato. Desmond picked Brendan. Kind of seems that way, doesn't it? Yeah. Don't know enough about Maresca, but we're gladly taking any of the other ones. Yep. All right. Let's let's leave that talk there. Let's talk about the Champions League game on uh, Wednesday night. I think it's oh, 7 a.m. Do we have to? <laughs> 7 a.m. Thursday morning, our time. Um, so we're going to keep it nice and quick. Are we going to get pumped? And if we are, are we going to get pumped worse than Lana Rhodes does on the daily? Or, oh. or is it going to be a manageable pumping? Liam, what do you reckon? Oh, it's... <laughs> This isn't just a pumping. We're moving into Bukaki stages here. This is going to get nasty. Um, oh, Jesus. That is, that is way over the top. And we're demonetized. Right, no. Um, yeah, we are getting... I, I think we're going to get an absolute scalping. Um, and, yeah, it's not going to be pretty. I really hope I'm wrong, but I, I just don't... I don't see us doing anything. I think... The whole European campaign has been a whimper, and that's where it's going to end. We are going to get, we're going to get done. Yep. So we've got um, yeah, we've got thing Martin. They're truly <laughs> pumped. Oh, oh dear, <laughs> I've I've Andrew's worked that saying, out. <laughs> yeah. Will the crowd turn up? And then Pat's like, I know it's PSV have forty five points out of forty five in that Dutch league. Yeah, they're absolutely on fire. Uh, they're good, but I know how to slim us all. I don't think we'll get pumped because I, I just looking at the table now, they can't move. Have, I'm sorry, just what? one of those comments. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> I'm sitting there going, like, what have I said? Oh, look, I don't think we'll get pumped, but I, um, it's hard to predict a win, um, to be honest with you. And we've been positive in most of these matches before, but... Um, you know, it's hard. That positivity eventually runs out. Um, I'm going to. I'm going to say we'll lose two nil. I think they'll beat us, but I don't think they'll pump us. They don't. They don't really have any reason to go full pelt. Yeah, I think they'll probably rotate some players, get some game time into people. We'll um, we'll do the same deal. We'll get some rotation in there. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't think that's basically a, a bounce game. The main thing is making sure we're good to go for the next weekend. So, yeah, I'm thinking I'll agree with you, Shane. It'll probably be two. We'll lose by two goals maybe, so maybe a 3-1. I think we'll score, but, yeah, I think probably 3-1. Andrew's saying I can feel a flogging coming on. One of the Easy. cleaner comments. Thank you, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. This could be a Debbie Loves Dallas sequel. A Debbie Does Dallas sequel. Well, I mean, anyway. she, she loved as well as did. So, um, good on oh, that. God. That's saying 20,000 at this game, the way it's sounding. See a Liam, lot of people trying to sell their tickets. Yeah. Yeah. What are you yeah. thinking for the game score wise overall? 
No, I, th- I think Shane's probably right. It'll be about a two or three nothing to them, and it'll just be a completely tame ending to a very, very tame European campaign. I normally would ask, where will the game be won? On the pitch, that'll do. We've had our score productions. <laughs> yeah. Richie, you want to have a go for it? A... <laughs> I don't say that strange, love. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah, so oh. Have... Three oh, one for Snow the Glove. Um, Martin saying, "Hope we don't see Kelmack and Taylor in this game." Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping we get to see a full game from from home from Bernardo. Just rotate the squad a bit at the end of the day. So um, yeah, it'll be a doozy. But yeah, we'll um, see how it all goes. And on Thursday, the, the Thursday sesh, Stephen will be hosting because. I'll probably be very drunk with my work colleagues at night. So, um, yeah, got some Christmas thing on. So, yeah, Willie and Stephen will be on that and it will go from there. So I think before we end, end the pod, I'm just going to ask you boys for a final thought. But while you're getting ready, <laughs> I'll bring up a couple of comments here. So Pat McLaughlin, the cup final on Sunday, which we aren't even involved in, is going to be massive for the rest of the season. Come on, the sheep. Mm. Yeah, gone yourself, as um, said here. I've watched many Celtic podcasts over the last few hours and it annoys me people on the panel are scared to call out Brendan Rodgers for his pathetic selection and style of play he's brought back. Not Celtic down under. No. We've got to call a spade a spade. That's the way I look at it. If we're gonna call it, if we're gonna be happy clappers when things are going well, you've got to be able to call a spade when it goes like that. Mahesh's final thought is: I don't think people realise just how big Ange's shoes are to fill. He wasn't mm. called Big Ange for a reason. You said you know it, mate. Say, you know what they say, Mahesh? Big hands, big feet, big. You know what? Anyway, big shoes, big gloves. <laughs> there you go. <clears throat> All right, final thoughts, Shane. You got one. Yeah, I'll be quick. Um, a couple of months ago, or a few weeks ago, actually now, I watched Dairy Girls for the first time, and I ended up binging it because I loved it so much. Such an enjoyable show, really well done, absolute quality. Touches on some very serious matters as well as obviously the humour based within the sitcom itself. If you haven't watched it, please check it out. It's probably the only thing I've binge watched in the last sort of six months. It was that enjoyable. So much fun. Dairy Girls, check it out. Talking about that then, I'll go, I'll use that as a great segue for my final thought because my final thought, I saw this comment from Martin here before and I'm like, that's me final thought sorted. Martin's final thought was was that, right? Now, my wife has been watching this show on TV, Boston Legal, and it has the most porno theme song ever it is fucking hilarious like i'm walking i'm walking out to go to the kitchen i'm like what the hell is she watching just hear the tunes you think you know there's some dodgy shit going on so yeah there you go that's mine (laughs) well i'm gonna share you a bit of news that i've just read here apparently um yoko ono is going to be on the next series of i'm a celebrity get me out of here um, she's particularly looking forward to the Bush Tucker trials because she's been living off a dead beetle for the last 40 years. Oh, 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 oh Jesus. Jeez. All right. Oh, 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 check out the social media channels at Celtic Down on Twitter, Instagram, 
threads, all that stuff, selectdownunder.com. Go on there. There's T-shirts, there's bottles, there's hoodies, there's stuff on there as well. Appreciate each and every one of you tuning in. And, um, yeah, hail, hail. <laughs> hail, hail. <laughs> hail, hail. Podcast Network.